everybody. Thank you again for joining me on the Keto Endurance Podcast. I have Crystal Sykes here from Keto Savage, and we are going to talk about how to do a figure show as a keto athlete. So I'm super excited that she's on. I met Crystal on the Low Carb Cruise, her and her husband, and I have to say they're the sweetest, nicest people in the world. I loved you guys. So I... um and I would love it for a lot of the keto people to realize that you can be an athlete. I coach keto endurance athletes with keto, but they do figure shows and um, strength type programs through keto and they have a great program. So we're going to talk about that. Welcome, Crystal. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Cool. Can you tell us a little background about how you got started on weight training, strength training, and talk a little bit about how nervous you were to start going to the gym, because that's a big <laughs> for people. I, I love that story. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started going to the gym and doing strength training and resistance training, honestly, because I was going through a few health issues with my stomach. So I actually started all because of health and not because I was trying to achieve a certain physique. So I was super <laughs> intimidated. I actually just posted a picture on my Instagram today of when I very first started going to the gym and I looked so like frail and skinny and I just didn't have any muscle on me. So I was starting with the super, super low weights. I was very insecure about my form, wasn't sure what I was kind of doing. So I found a 24-hour gym and I used to set my alarm for midnight every night and I would go to the gym in the middle of the night because I knew no one was going to be there to judge me or to try and give me advice that I wasn't sure I was ready to accept. Yeah, so uh, I was probably the most insecure person about the gym. But over time, you kind of build that, that confidence up and you do learn the proper way of doing things and it gets a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if, if you are listening to this and you've ever been nervous about going to a gym, just know you're not alone. And it doesn't matter if you're small or large or for me, what I tell people is put your headphones on and have your workout ready. There's tons of YouTube videos too. Um, definitely if you need help with program design, hire a coach. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite things to do was actually... I would get on the, the cardio equipment because you can watch everyone while you're doing cardio. So I would look at the people who looked like they were, knew what they were doing and I would go back over there and do what they were doing in the same form. So it was almost a good opportunity to be busy doing something but be able to people watch as well. So <laughs> there's an idea. <laughs> That's cool. So let's go um, fast forward. When did you start keto or when did you hear about keto and... And what difference that made for you? Yeah, so uh, I actually heard about keto from Robert, my husband. He had started keto, I think it was like a year and a half before I did. And of course, I was going through all my stomach healing and all of this. And they told me to steer away from fat. So I kind of steered away from it. And I was like, you're a crazy person. I actually started keto January of 2016. And that was just a couple months after I had started lifting. So really all of the muscle that I've built has been from keto and high fat, which is a super awesome for me to be able to say because not many people can. Yeah, so Robert introduced me to keto. I watched him do it for a long time before I started. 
And then once we started doing it together, it was like, there's no other way we're going to go about our nutrition because it just makes sense. And how's your stomach feel now? So good. Yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of issues, you know, here and there, but it's been really good over time. I think a lot of it, I did have a few uh, eating disorder issues. And of course, we all, we are never really in fully over it, but uh, I definitely had some issues with my stomach dealing with that. Part of it was just binge eating it would make my stomach worse, but keto has been amazing for my, my gut all in, in total. Oh, good. Yes. And you look fabulous. Let's go and say, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, I think I'm starting from nothing, but someday I would like to do a figure show. Can you walk through, if someone contacts you, what the steps would be that they would work towards a figure competition and um, how you guys work with your clients? Yeah. So First things first is you want to make sure that your calories are high because when you do a competition, we do use a caloric restriction. Some people are not fans of that, but we do restrict calories very, very, very slowly. And that is to help prevent any metabolic damage. So we start you off actually super high and actually in a surplus, and then you would slowly decrease so that you have more to remove from. You also want to make sure that your protein is really high because that's a variable that we also use to remove. Uh, when you're in a competition prep. So making sure that you're eating plenty of food before your prep even starts. And then if you're going to choose to have a coach, uh, don't pick a show until after you've talked to your coach, after you've really gotten your body fat looked at, um, see how far you have to go or how close you are to the, you know, to actually getting to the goal. And yeah, just giving yourself enough time. I think a lot of people want to do this very drastic cut, which ends up hurting their you know, hormones and their metabolism and all of that. It's just, it's much better to take it a longer game, go very slowly and just listen to your body. That's cool. And you guys work, you have programs that are online Mm -hmm. so that anybody can work with you from around the world. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So Robert has made a program called Deeper State Keto and that allows you to do it all on your own. Um, It's not the perfect thing for a competition prep, but then we also have the coaching as well. So we can do it from, from anywhere. Cool. So you became a coach too. So did you become a coach after or before you married Robert? Tell me like why you wanted to become a coach and, and how it makes you feel to help athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always wanted to help people. I actually used to work in a urologist's office. I was a dialysis tech but I saw sick people all the time and that sucks. It sucks to see people just sick who could have possibly changed their lives just by changing their diet or their exercise. And once I started exercising and once I started keto, it was like this huge wave of why am I not helping people prevent rather than healing them once they've gotten sick. So Robert had actually been doing coaching and things like that for a while. And I thought, oh, I'm not good enough. I won't know. I won't. So then you do your, your research and you study and you go to these conferences and you listen to doctors and things like that. And I, it took me a while. I was still working at a normal everyday you know, job, whether it was I nannied a young autistic boy. I also worked in a coffee shop. We had started Keto Brick, our company. And 
it was crazy and I was coaching on the side, but it was worth every moment of it to see someone's life transform. And I work with people who have, you know, hormone issues that I can handle. If I can't, then I will send them to someone who knows better. But I definitely, I love my athletes. I love, you know, all different kinds of athletic abilities. Of course, I'm like you, I'm not an endurance person. (laughs) I wish I was, and I'm actually working on it right now. But yeah, it's, it's amazing to watch people transform, especially for a competition because it, it really is, it's a very hard thing to do and it's very mentally draining and physically draining, but it's so worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, and I know what it's like to cross the finish line of a race and there's no amount of money or supplement or, you know, there's no feeling that you can get that you could replace except for actually doing it. So crossing the finish line of a big event that you thought that you couldn't do is so fulfilling. Yes. So exciting. And it's, it can be a little bit addicting, you know, just like, Oh, I love that feeling of, even though you suffer a little bit along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like around mile 20 of a marathon, you're thinking, why did I think this was a bad idea? Or good idea. Why did I think think this was a good idea? And then you're like, then you get to the finish line. Oh my gosh, that was fabulous. Yes, absolutely. I watched Robert do his marathon and I thought he was crazy. I just thought every mile that I, I saw him go by me, I thought, there's no way I would ever be able to do that. But I mean, it really is a total mental thing. You put your mind to it, you do your practice and yeah, there you have you it. You just have to train for it. So that's exactly. training. I, when I was on the Keto Savage podcast, when Robert interviewed me, I talked a lot about, you know, different heart rate training. People try to go out too fast, you know, and they start training like, oh, if I want to be fast, I'm just going to run fast until I can't run and then walk, then run fast and see if I can keep doing that. But you're not building a big aerobic foundation. And I think that just like you said, people want to do things too quickly and they want it yesterday, but it takes time to build a metabolic base and a, a aerobic foundation. The same thing is takes time to really get your, well, I don't know about a figure show because I have <laughs> never done that. I was planning to do one a couple years, about a year and a half ago, and I hired a coach and she was not a low carb coach. And she put me on this diet and I gained like 10 pounds. Ooh. And I was like, this is not working for me. And she goes, well, you know, it's probably some muscle. I'm like, it's not muscle. (laughs) (laughs) And I was following her macros exactly. And it was like 100 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is not a lot for some people, but it was a lot for me because I'm going from zero or less than 20 grams per day. And I felt, didn't feel good. And so she, she tweaked my macros again. And then referred me. She was, there's something wrong with you and referred me to a, to get my hormones checked because my hormones are yeah. wacky, but it's, mm-hmm. some of it's my age and some of it's when I was, I think from when I was doing the low fat, high carb days, doing endurance sports and not getting enough protein, not getting enough fat. And then I just have never really recovered from that completely. And then naturally I'm going to be 50 in less than Two weeks. Oh, <laughs> well, happy birthday early. <laughs> Thank you. And that um, just those natural hormone changes like put me back into not a good state. But my friend and I, who's done a figure coat show before, 
was um, talking about doing one next year. So I have a big event that I want a cycling event that I want to do in March of next year. And after that, then I will probably be calling you guys. Yeah. Because I don't want to train with someone who doesn't understand keto. Because yeah. they're going to try to make me do things that I know don't work for me and I don't want to do. Yeah, it is really hard. And there's a lot of coaches out there that will tell you they'll put you on keto, but they really, that's not their diet. That's not really their protocol. So they'll throw something together and it might work, but it's not going to be necessarily good for you. And they don't, they think high fat means like high fat and moderate carbs with an extreme amount of protein. Yeah. And it's, it's very a skewed mindset for them. They, they just can't understand it. Well, and they can't wrap their heads around it. Cause before I hired this coach, I had hired a guy who I used to work with. I've worked in gyms for years cause I trained senior citizens for eight years, mm-hmm. which is a different type of thing altogether. Cause we're just doing functional movement exercises. So I, he's super sweet guy, beautiful body, beautiful person. And I said, you know, Chris, I'm going to hire you because you've done shows, you've coached people. And he had me on high carb. And I was like, no, I need to go and find someone else because I'm not getting results. And then I hired this female coach and I didn't get any results either. Mm-hmm. And I know some of it's my, I know I have known hormone problems, but I'm like, you know, somebody who follows a ketogenic diet themselves works with ketogenic athletes is going to be a better option for somebody who doesn't want to add those carbs back into your diet. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because it's frustrating. If you, I mean, I've been doing the keto thing for since like 2008, low carb, paleo, keto. And um, no, I, I don't want to go back to that place because I was sort of a mess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, I didn't feel good. And you're putting me on a diet that makes me not feel good. Yeah. Yep. Not, not even worth it. And you don't no. feel very good on it. It, it. I never did a competition with carbs, but I watched Robert go through it and I've watched several other people go through it. And it's just, they're miserable. They're walking around like zombies. Yeah. And the horror stories, Robert was talking about people getting like problems with dehydration. I can't remember. Oh yeah. They restrict their water and they increase their sodium. So they end up just sipping on like four to eight ounces of water through the entire day. So they do that for several days. So they're very dehydrated. And for keto, like I drank a liter of water before stepping on stage. Whereas other girls that were in the show with me were drinking like little, little tiny, tiny amounts of water and I was just over there chugging away because we just don't hold on to that water like you would if you're eating yeah, all the glycogen carbs. in your muscle. Yeah, yes. glycogen. And that's what uh, people say, oh, you, you know, a ketogenic diet is, it works because you're, you know, you don't have the glycogen stores in your muscles and you're dumping fluids. So I'm like, yes. And that's a good thing. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Your body should, you shouldn't have all those all that fluid and all those carbohydrates stored in your muscles. Yeah. For endurance athletes, they do some carb loading if they have multiple day events or a, a big race. I mean, it's just a day or two. So it's not, yeah, it's not like the typical high carbohydrate endurance athlete eats. It's just completely different. And it's so frustrating for me, actually, because I feel like it should be so logical about 
like, hey, you only add in carbs when you're going to use them. So depending on the athlete, you know, and what their goals are, to add in carbohydrates when they're going to burn them off on specific events, only if they are, have a big base and, and all kinds of different factors. But it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. So they fully restricting them or adding them or how to manage them. And I'm sure that there's so many things that I don't know about bodybuilding or a figure competition about how to add, you know, what your macros look like, how to manipulate them to drop. And I'm sort of excited to find out about all of that. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of people will do like carb loading and they'll do it right before a show or as a refeed or something like that. And Robert and I, do, we don't do that. Not saying that it doesn't work or that you couldn't right. do it, but we don't find the benefit because we actually do a fat load. So rather than ingesting those carbs and kind of messing with what your body is using as its energy, we'll just use extra fat, a little extra protein, and a lot of salt. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's actually amazing. So you see the vascularity, you see your muscles being filled out without carbs, which is absolutely crazy. And to watch your body just do the transformation overnight, even because you'll do a refeed one evening, you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you just look completely different. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> oh, so I am so excited to like my friend and I are planning to do this next year, but I would love to hire you guys and, and see what happens. Right now, I'm, I just saw Dr. Nally last week to have my hormones checked again. Yes. And he was looking at my old labs. He goes, yeah, you got some problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I actually yeah. just had a run of hormones done, and I definitely, I'm going through a healing cycle right now, and we're actually going to retest in September to see if I will be able to do another cut again, or if my body's just not ready for it. But um, it wasn't the cut that did it to me, but it put extra stressors on me that uh, on top of already having kind of off hormones, it just didn't help. I mean, just owning a business and doing all the things that we do in our <laughs> hormones are crazy. <laughs> right. Well, and it's, I was talking to a friend of mine, we were talking about, I like to think about Pottinger's cats. So are you familiar with Francis Pottinger and his cat study? I'm not. Well, I will tell you, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis Pottinger was a researcher, I think in the 20s, it was a long time ago. But he had taken these cats and he had taken one set of cats that he gave uh, raw milk to and raw food. And then the other cats, he gave them pasteurized milk, pasteurized milk, and raw milk. So it took three generations for the cats that were eating the pasteurized milk to become infertile. They could no longer produce babies. And the ones that were alive, I mean, you can go to YouTube and look at a film and, and see what the, how sickly they are. And then he took the ones, the sick ones, started giving them real food, like the, the raw milk. Mm -hmm. And so they could start producing babies. But the babies still, um, the first generation was still not as healthy as like the ones who had eaten. It took three generations to repair the damage. Wow. From the bad nutrition. So those folks who think like, you know, I'm doing everything right. And you basically have to live in a bubble 
you know, to not have external stressors and, and stuff like that. You know, it's not like we can all take a vacation and meditate on a beach for two weeks <laughs> every, you know, every three months. Just realizing that even if you, if you get your body, you're healing your body, you may not be able to overcome every bit of damage from what your mother's life was like and your grandmother's life was like, mm-hmm. because those things still have an effect on you. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually oddly just talking to Robert about this the other day. So I'm so glad that we're very aware of what we're ingesting, what our surroundings are, even just simply getting rid of a lot of plastics, things like that. We are doing that now. And although I wish I would have started years ago, we're doing it now in hopes that we can bring our kids into that kind of environment and that hopefully they will adopt our ways yeah. And continue on and realizing that it's so much healthier and that our, you know, strain of children and people after us will be able to live healthier, longer lives because of choices that we've decided to make. So it's a really cool thing and hope, you know, we're hoping. <laughs> and you, you never No, I think that I wish I had known so many things. Like I wish I was your age and before I had children that I looked at my diet. I mean, I grew up in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. I graduated from high school in 87, and that was the height of the low-fat yeah. craze. I mean, I didn't eat any fat. Like, I had no fat anything, and I always had hormone problems, even when I was younger, and it's just now looking back, it's, it's all clear to me, like, oh my gosh, where things went wrong. <laughs> I yeah. mean, my mother, she had, she was always obsessed with her weight when she wasn't even really that heavy, which is crazy because, and there's so many people like that. They're not really that heavy. And then they're obsessed with being smaller and smaller because we've been brainwashed. And I wonder some of it about, you know, just that low fat diet and the mental health. I don't know if you've read any of the stuff by Georgia Ede. Yes. And about how if you don't get enough fat, your brain doesn't work. Exactly. That's exactly true. And it's like, even if you're having carbs, you can still have a healthy amount of fats without really hurting yourself. So many people have poor mental health and emotional health because they're not eating enough fat, which is just crazy to me that we, we've been restricting it for so long. Right. And it's all based on a lie. It's all based oh, yeah. on a study that was funded by the sugar industry. Yep. It's so sad. I was talking to uh, one of the late Sandra Braun, who was on the cruise. Um, we mm-hmm. were talking yesterday, and she said, "You know, I feel like it's like the sugar industry is like the cigarette industry. Like they hid a lot of the negative research. They said this is perfectly fine, although all the Marlboro men that died of lung cancer. <laughs> so I mean, it's like the same thing. Like, oh, you can give your kids soda pop." Yeah, exactly. And that's how I was raised. I mean, I had sweet tea every single day, all day long. And that was just pure sugar and, you know, candy and all of that kind of stuff as well. But it, you know, it's, it really is. It is just like cigarettes and it's just people haven't recognized it yet because it's become so normal. Right. It's normal to see a little kid drinking somebody's drink of their soda pop. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I went to a, a birthday party of a little girl. This was a couple of years ago. And they didn't have any water to drink or diet sodas to drink. They only had regular soda. 
And wow. all these little kids were drinking regular soda and running around like crazy people. I was like, oh my gosh. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's really none of my business, the choices that they make. Mm -hmm. But I was <laughs> horrified. I'm like, oh, and they think that they're giving their kids a treat at the birthday party. Like they think that they're, they don't realize how damaging it is to their little bodies. Yeah. And they think it's almost funny because they're like, oh, yeah, they've just had so much sugar. <laughs> like, wow, it's really not funny. <laughs> like, it really <laughs> isn't. <laughs> really, it really isn't. Yeah. And then, like, sugar, high fructose corn syrup leads to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There are yeah. children with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That's the same thing as what alcohol does to adults, and you're doing that to your child. Yeah. Think of the volume of alcohol it takes to lead to alcoholic fatty liver yeah. and later to cirrhosis. So these people are doing that to their children. High fructose corn syrup is doing the same thing to their liver as alcohol. And would you ever give your child a shot of tequila? If, you, if someone said, here, right. you know, here, drink the shot of tequila, they would be reported to Child Protective Services. Yes, absolutely. Yep. 100%. I could not agree with you more. Like I'm, I'm getting like enraged right now with like <laughs> just a passion because it really is like that. And you just want to tell everyone, but you, you can't go around telling everyone because they're just going to say, Oh, that, that girl is crazy and rude. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, and it's, uh, I have to just live by example mm -hmm. and do my own things. I was on Twitter this morning and some lady had said, you know, you know, people say it's easy to, like, you're the one who's buying your child food, but then they throw a fit because they don't get it. And I was telling her, I, my kids did not actually, they threw fits occasionally, but I would just walk away. I said, just because they throw a fit doesn't mean they need an audience. Yeah. They can throw Absolutely. a fit on their own. And she was saying something about, I guess it's a she, I don't, it could, I'm assuming, just because they're having a reaction doesn't mean we need to respond to it. Yeah, 100%. Have you ever seen a, a kid cry in a mirror? It's. Just, no. I mean, I, I, my nieces and nephews do it all the time, and it's almost because they want someone to be watching them. Yeah. But when they cry in the mirror, they almost cry harder. But oh. it's like, you don't, just don't look at yourself. <laughs> don't look at yourself. And then, you know, as the adult or the parent in the room, that's exactly it. If they're throwing a fit for a reason as I want this candy bar and you're not letting me have it, then let them, let them throw a fit. At least they'll know you really don't want them to have it. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, uh, when my son was, I think seven or eight, I don't remember the age, but we had decided we had done the Dave Ramsey course and we had decided not to, to give them allowance and they weren't getting anything extra after that. So my son wanted this silly little electronic toy or whatever. And so I said, make sure you save enough for the tax. So he had saved up a couple weeks and then we went to the store and um, he didn't have enough with the tax. And I said, well, I guess you can't get it. And he was so upset and enraged. He started screaming at the top of his lungs. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go out to the car. And I am going to pull around the front and you can meet me at the front door. And so I just walked away and he was screaming bloody murder. And I thought, you know, someone going to kidnap my child, but who's going to want to kidnap the screaming? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
man. <laughs> I pulled around at the front. He walks outside. He gets in the car and he didn't say anything. And then halfway home, he goes, I'm sorry. Oh, yep. See, and that's, I mean, it's just as simple as that. Yeah, it's like what you have to be able to walk away, which is not easy, mm. especially because you're like, oh my gosh, these people are staring at me. My kid is screaming <laughs> in Target and he's like making this big scene, but um, he's fine. And he never, after that, he didn't throw fits again. Yeah. I'm like, you know, you just have to let them cry it out. And yep. sometimes they're just tired and you just let, let them like cry themselves to sleep. Okay. <laughs> all right you want to do that you know I'll, I'll try to comfort you for a few minutes if it's something that's like you know I'm sad or whatever but mm. if you keep going because you want something like candy especially candy yeah. like then you know they're probably having a sugar problem you need to get them off the sugar anyway exactly yep well couldn't agree more <laughs> I'm like they don't need the sugar anyway then you're just contributing to their ill health there was a lady I um, knew from college that her son had some bone cancer. I'm not saying that I know what caused that cancer, but I know that I wouldn't be giving my child sugar if they had cancer. And yeah. she was, I would gone to a friend who had prostate cancer to visit him in the hospital and they were giving him pound cake. I'm like, pound cake? What the hell oh. is that? What the hell? And then um, I was telling her about that. And she goes, you know, whenever someone's sick like that, you just want to give them whatever they can to keep them happy. I'm like, no, I no, I would not do that. If that was my child, no, I would not yeah. give them sugar for anything. Yeah. I, I mean, would, they, they can be happy in the moment or they can be happy for a longer life. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty, for me, sugar, it, I equate it to, to liquid cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, the, uh, I think that the keto peeps definitely have a different mindset. Yeah, it is. And, and sometimes it is hard. Like my family, none of them are keto. I can only live by example and I can only, you know, tell them the benefits and all of that. And they're going to have to make the choices for themselves. And that's why I'm here, you know, just to spread the good word of it and really just try to help people with you know, their health in general and just letting people know that it is possible. But again, you can't force anybody. You can just say yeah. all the good things, you know? Yeah, and I think some of it too, I think that's helpful having a coach or somebody just to, um, to talk to. Cause we are, we started these keto meetups in Phoenix mm -hmm. just to help build the community because it's hard when you are the lone man out and you go to a family function and then they're like, you know, just have one piece. Oh, you're not your aunt Sue made you a piece of made your favorite cake. You know, in the past I would give in because I was taught to be polite, not be rude. But then thinking like, you know, that's poison to me and I'm not trying to hurt Aunt Sue's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I was I mean it's it's still hard. I can't I can't say I'm not always good. I was paddleboarding at the lake and one of the ladies who would come and paddleboard with me, she would bring us beer. And I didn't always want to drink it. And I felt bad because she's like, oh, I brought this for you. So I would open it up. And then when she wasn't looking, I pour it into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> like, and then my husband's like, why did you just tell her she didn't, you didn't want the beer? I'm like, you know what? It's because that, that part of me that was like, if someone's offering you something, be polite. 
Mm -hmm. So I guess this is a tool if you go and your Aunt Sue makes you pie and you don't want to eat it, you can always say, oh, thank you, Aunt Sue, and then go and throw it in the trash. Yeah, that's exactly it. We've had neighbors, you know, brand new neighbors bring us over cookies or something like that. We're like, oh, thank you so much. And the kids are so excited to give it to you. And all you have to do is say thank you and then not eat it. And I am am a big believer of not wasting. I really hate wasting food. I, I really, really hate it. But the one thing I will throw away is sugar. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just end of story. I don't even want to give it to someone else because I don't want them to that. have it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, every year my husband's work gives um anything bunt cake. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. In previous years, like I up and like, you know, we're going to keep a fourth of it and everybody can have a little tiny bit and then we throw the rest away. And, and I thought about giving it to my neighbors, but my neighbors, I have talked them into doing keto. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I can't give it to my neighbors because I have brainwashed them like I've brainwashed myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are they going to say? Oh, Stephanie, you just told us that was bad for you. Yeah. So and at times it might feel like your family or your friends or whoever might not support it. But I will tell you, years later, I just went to go visit my grandma for the first time in a, quite some time. And she knows I've been sticking to keto. I, you know, that's the only thing I eat. And so she, asked, she called me and said, you're going to come. What can I cook you? So I said, just make a normal meal. I'll just eat the meat and the vegetables. And the whole time I was there, she made every meal catered to me. And she is like Southern grandma, like biscuits and gravy, fried chicken. Everything she makes is not keto friendly. But when I went to visit... She changed all her ways just to make sure that I could eat and I would be happy. And so people will be willing to change. They just have to see how important it is to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. I think the hardest part of my keto journey is social interactions because I, I was just taught to be polite Mm -hmm. and, um, and just learning to throw stuff away has been sort of a blessing because yeah. it's kind of, and I have that too. Like I don't want to be wasteful. We did a keto meet. Uh, Dr. Barry was here for a book signing mm-hmm. and we had met him for dinner at a barbecue place. So I had gotten the brisket and then the two people next to me had gotten the brisket as well. And they left like half a pound of brisket on their plate. And I was like, are you guys going to take that with you? So I, I was like, I'm going to take that home. And I put it in, I got some ice and put it in the bottom of the container so it wouldn't mm-hmm. be bad. And I came home and then I stuck it in the refrigerator. My son ate it for breakfast this morning. So I'm like, it's not going to go to waste. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. <laughs> I am the same way. It, I mean, it drives me nuts. And people are like, how do you, you know, how do you eat the same thing over and over again? I'm like, well, I buy something and I eat it until it's done. Huh. Yes. Because I'm not going to buy something else and let that other thing go to waste. Absolutely not. And you can make things and the freezer is a really good place to put stuff, you know? <laughs> like, well, that's what I make stuff like big things and then I will put two thirds of it away and then just bring it out. So then you don't, and it makes meal prep a lot easier because yes. you can just take it the night before and put it in the fridge and then it's thought out and I like, I love the crock pot and just stick stuff in the crock pot. Yes. Then you have it and it's done and you didn't have to make a mess or do anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I do most of the time at home. I do 
all carnivore for myself. And then also for my family, I just have to add a vegetable. Yeah. And, then, and they're good. They don't get any extra. Although my husband does sneak out and buy pretzel buns. Like, <laughs> I'm like, can you please not buy. He asked me, he goes, will you get me some pretzel buns? I'm like, no, I'm not buying you pretzel buns anymore. Yeah. You have to make your own special trip because I'm not contributing to decline of your health. I oh, Good for I, you. You know, before I would, even like the last year, so my husband's naturally very thin mm-hmm. and he has normal blood sugar. He's one of those people with good genes that a lot of people hate. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's, I'm like, it doesn't matter how thin you are. Sugar is still damaging. And when I refer to sugar, I'm referring to all carbohydrates. Right. I'm the same way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, so if you're listening to this and you're like, well, she just said bread and then she said sugar. I'm like, they're the same thing in my head. Yeah. Sugar, bread is sugar. Yeah. Uh, a pear is a sh- is sugar. A yes. peach is sugar. You know, those are all sugar. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and that's what it kills me whenever people are like, oh, well, I eat lots of fruit and vegetables. I'm like, well. Cut out the fruit. It's <laughs> still a sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, just learning to navigate through that. I think that's having a coach is, is helpful to help you with like, hey, what do I do when I'm going to visit grandma and they're going to have a bunch of Southern food? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, just, it's nice to just have someone to talk to and say, I'm having a hard time right now because there's all these desserts in front of me. And it's like, at least you have someone to tell or, you know, someone who actually understands rather than people who are just like, oh, you're on a diet. Like, no, this is my lifestyle. I'm just trying to learn with it, to learn, live with it. Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to navigate through life. And hopefully, I mean, keto's gotten so, so much bigger than when I started keto that, and people have heard of the carnivore diet and it's not such a weird thing for Mm -hmm. people to say, oh, I just eat meat. Actually, carnivore is so easy when you, if you're going out, because you know, maybe it's not the best meat in the world, but you can always go through a drive-thru and just get hamburger patties. Yeah. And some places it's pretty cheap. They charge you a dollar a patty. Yeah. They will look at you sometimes crazy if you go to a restaurant and you're like, uh, I don't want any sides. They're yeah. like, well, what about a salad? No, I don't want a salad either. Oh. Okay. You sure you don't want vegetables? No, thank you. Just the meat. <laughs> yeah. I just want a steak. Yeah. They don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. No. Although I went to... Uh, we do a group run on Saturday mornings and we sometimes eat at this biscuits cafe afterwards. And so I had ordered just eggs and bacon, nothing else. And she goes, are you doing keto? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, Oh, I lost 60 pounds doing keto. I love it. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, So it's people are seeing success and it's not so crazy. And I was talking Mm -hmm. to my friend Jessica about like how now there's, um, Slim fast keto, which good that it's like the marketers are starting to pick up on like that keto is something that's marketable and people are getting results because we wait for the USDA to change the food pyramid. We're going to be waiting. Don't hold your breath on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's so fun talking to you, Crystal, because it's, well, we're like, Hopefully a lot of people listening to this is like, yeah, I'm not alone. I think that's the biggest 
benefit of one listening to podcasts and you know going to meetups and and finding pe- like-minded people because they're going to understand like when i um had hired the the coach and i sent her i said you know i'm i need to go back to eating just meat and so i sent her a article or a link to the meat hills website so i went to the meat hills sent her a link to the meat hills website and i said you know i just can't have that many carbs they're they're not helping me and i'm feeling sick and and she said well i think there's probably some sort of enzyme wrong with you like there's some like there's some genetic defect in me that i can't handle carbs and i I was like (laughs) you're like oh that's interesting but the (laughs) yeah. yeah that's unbelievable there's something wrong with you that you can't digest carbs very well. That's yeah. funny. Actually, none of us should be able to do it that well. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, all right. And there are people who do get good results. Like you said, there's people who go to shows. They do look fabulous on stage, but how well do they feel that they did that big cut and they're drinking those little salt water sips? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy because even people like me and I, I didn't explain all of my past and all of that, but I was a crazy sugar aholic. I mean, I just, I loved sugar. Pastries were my thing. Like I loved pastries. I liked lattes with lots of sugar in it. Like I would get the whole thing with like whole milk and all the sugar. Like I didn't even go sugar free. It was really bad. And for the first year I had a hard time sticking to keto Uh, I did it the majority of the time, but then I'd have these crazy binges on sugar because I couldn't handle it. I I just, I was literally addicted to it that I would think about it all day until I could have it. So I finally, I just put my foot down. I said, no more. And I, like, I won't even have, I will not have carbs anymore. I will have vegetables and things like that, but it's just really unsafe for me to have that. So some people will go, you know, in and out of ketosis, you know, that's their lifestyle choice, but Mine is like, I'm going to be keto. I'm going to stick to that. And it's just not, it's, I'm not going to be flexible with it at all because it truly is addictive. So, it, I mean, even people like myself who just loved that and thrived on just drinking energy drinks and, you know, having pastries and burritos and all of that, like I loved it, but I just had to make the choice that this is not good for me and what's going to be good for me, what's going to be good for me long-term rather than this little amount of time like in this moment and you had this bad stomach problems exactly (laughs) exactly I was literally feeding all of my gut issues because I was just feeding it constant amounts of sugar do you think sometimes this is just a crazy theory on in my head but I think sometimes when you have those those gut issues but it's almost like those things have con- taken control of you because yeah. you're really just feeding the bad gut bacteria. And it's almost like they have possessed you and like, you have to keep feeding us or we're going to die. Yep, absolutely. Those- that is totally how I felt. And I actually ended up getting super depressed because I just could never feel better. But so I kept eating sugar. I kept eating sugar, but I was never gaining weight. So it was like, I felt like I could, I could just eat, keep eating the sugar, but I kept feeling terrible. And then I got, ended up getting depressed and all this stuff, but it was literally like my body wouldn't allow me to not have it. 
And yeah. at a certain point, I just had to say, this is so mental that I just can't allow myself to have it anymore. And there was, I mean, I had to find people that I could say, I'm going to text you if I crave it or if I'm about to eat it <laughs> because it's that important to me that I don't do it, that I need to have that accountability. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's good for people to hear. And, you know, I don't know if you remember my talk was the differences between being fit and being healthy. There's mm -hmm. so many people who are thin and they're athletes and they're fast, but they may be fit. They can accomplish a certain goal like running a marathon. That doesn't mean they're healthy. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they feel good. There are people whose bodies, I've had clients who cannot gain weight. Mm -hmm. like, but that doesn't mean they should be eating the food that they're eating. They came to me through other issues, like they had high triglycerides and high blood pressure, but they were, they looked good. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you're, you should still eat sugar just because you can. Yeah, absolutely. And even you think about the biggest bodybuilders on the stage of Mr. Olympia and all of that, are their insides truly that healthy? Because first of all, they're taking tons of steroids, which is not even close to healthy for your body. <laughs> and they're, they're downing, you know, chicken and rice and all of the bad stuff. Their fat is so low, but they're, I'm sure, not internally healthy. And that's why so many of them die at a young age. And, yeah. I mean, they're constantly putting themselves through these stressors of doing this show, eating a bunch of carbs, you know, shooting up with steroids and they may look like the fittest people on earth, but truly on the inside, they're so unhealthy. Right. And they have those steroids make their organs grow. Like their guts yes. are huge, even mm -hmm. though they have six pack abs on top of them, because those steroids make their internal organs grow. Yeah. Grow. It's like bubble guts. Yeah. Oh, they look, it, it looks freaky. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but then they're on stage being judged against, like they all have to do it to get arm muscles and leg muscles or whatever to get that big. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of them like those WWF wrestlers who've taken yeah. drugs and they're, they're abused a lot that yeah. end up committing suicide or because they're in pain all the time or they die um, from other reasons. But it's just like, I was talking last night at Dr. Barry's book signing is there's this, such this misconception that if you look a certain way, by default, you're healthy. Yeah. And if you look another way, by default, you're not healthy. Right. I mean, it's just like, there's a lot of heavier people, but their body's just really good at storing fat. Mm -hmm. So internally, they're healthy, but it's hard for their body to access those fat stores. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that it's, you know, let's get over the, well, I hope we can like get over the idea of like the ultimate goal is to look fabulous. The ultimate goal is to feel good, look good and navigate through life well. And if we look fabulous along the way, that's another added benefit. Mm -hmm. Yep. I couldn't agree more. There was something that I posted the other day and it said something like, uh, my worth is so much more than, than my physique or than my, my body or something like that. And a lot of people will, you know, they'll look at my Instagram or Robert or whatever. And they just think like they, everything they do is for their physique. Everything they do is for the way they look, but it's completely the opposite. I started this because of health and I have the benefit of, uh, you know, gaining muscle and having healthier insides because of it. Yeah. So 
I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, it's. And I, I, something that I thought that, that you said when you were up on the, the, the panel on the cruise that was the sweetest thing. And it was about not judging others and not judging yourself. Like when you stop judging yourself, it helps you not to judge others. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, everybody is in this, the same boat. We're all trying to get healthy. We're all, if you're in the gym, everyone's in the gym to get healthier. They're not there to judge you. And who cares? Who really cares? I mean, I, I just, and again, the other day posted something about, I used to never run in a sports bra or I used to never, you know, wear shorts, things like that. But when I'm exercising, I do not care because I'm out there exercising for a reason. So don't make fun of the person that you want to because they don't look a certain way. If they're exercising, they're doing something about it. So yeah, that's, that's definitely one of my, my big things. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was great. And the, the idea that when we, we can accept ourselves the way we are, mm-hmm. it, it makes it a lot easier to accept others the way they are. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I thought that was another reason why I'm like, Oh my gosh, those are such nice, wonderful people. Oh, thank you. All the people on the cruise were so lovely. Yes. I don't know. We had like the best group. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> like, we had a really good crew. I loved it. Yeah. Everybody was super nice, accepting and loving and caring. I, I mean, all the speakers, all the people in the audience. I saw Debbie last night at um, Dr. Barry's book signing, Debbie, who organizes the cruise. And she said, you know, I felt like that cruise was, was special because everybody was so um, sweet. So, yeah. you know, just sweet people. I thought the panels were really helpful because yes. people got to ask questions and there was more interaction from the audience. So it really helped. Keep got everyone the- involved. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that a lot. That was a very great addition to this year. I hope they keep that up. (laughs) Yes. And the interaction, I thought that having a lot of fitness people there was good because Mm -hmm. I think about like the people who have adopted a ketogenic diet, a lot of reasons they're, they're doing it to lose weight and then they end up with the added benefit of becoming healthier. Mm-hmm. But then at some point, they're like, what's next? What do I want to do next? Well, maybe the next thing is you do a figure competition, or maybe the next thing is you want to train to hike the Grand Canyon. Yeah. The next thing is I want to go uh, to Peru and hike the Inca Trail. It's because like you get to have what's next because you have gotten over the fact that like my whole life evolves around either your sugar addiction or feeling horrible and you can't do anything, like you get to have a what's next. Keto gives you a what's next. Like what's next in your life? You get to have an adventure. I have a client, she's 60, how old is she? I think she's 62. And she is a running machine. And so she's on vacation. She's like, can you, I'm on vacation, but I still want workouts. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Because when you feel better, you want to do more. Yeah, yes. I love it. It was hot and she was tired. She's in some, the South somewhere and it's really humid and hot. She goes, I'm tired. I'm like, well, you can take a rest day if you need to. She's like, no, no. So she ended up doing six miles around this lake and she took her 11 year old niece. Wow. And she was like my niece on, we almost had to carry her, but what a good example to show. Like when I get older, I can run around a lake. 
Yep. When I'm 62, I can run around the lake. Mm -hmm. As opposed to say, I'm 62 and I can't get out of this chair. Yes. That's the image that your children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews and the people around you see like getting older means getting fitter. Getting older doesn't mean being infirmed. Yes. I um, Just one last thing. Uh, Deanna Metzel. She just did a scan, and I think she, I can't remember her age exactly, but she's in her 40s, I believe early 40s. She did a scan of her body, and within this scan, it's like this new science uh, that they, they put out, so I don't know exactly a whole lot about it, but her scan said that her body, if he were not to know her age, what he would have guessed she was a 16-year-old girl. Oh, Wow. Yeah. yeah. So she, I mean, and the girl, I mean, she looks amazing. She does an amazing job at everything she does, but she's very athletic. She's very fit. But as she's gotten older, she's literally gotten healthier. Her body is reacting as if it were younger. So yeah. I'm just like, oh my goodness, like we are on to something here. <laughs> yeah. Well, people think are surprised whenever they find out that I'm going to be 50. I am like, yeah. They're like, oh, and I look at people I went to school. I mean, I still have, like, I'm looking bags. I still have wrinkles. But I've gone to school with people, and um, and obviously, I didn't do much before this call. But, well, I have a hat on, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the um, people I went to high school with, you, if you put their high school picture next to their picture now, you can't recognize them. They look so different. And my husband and I both, like, if you put our wedding picture next to us now, we don't look much different. Yeah. I'm just a little bit more mature, and I have some more little wrinkles. But aside from that, I don't have, we look the same. Yeah. I think it definitely keeps you young. Yeah. that's. So, I, I love it. I love watching all of that stuff. The more science and the more people are proving things it just makes me happy <laughs> yes and it's there you know for years they couldn't even do science on keto for keto because it was so blackballed do you remember jackie everstein's talk about yeah. how they had dr atkins told her like if you see the fbi you know you just keep on walking don't come in i mean that's how scary it was or how much they were suppressing Dr. Atkins work because and they had, they had raided a clinic like his down the road from him. Which is absolutely insane because you think about it now and really all they were trying to do was help people and right. still the whole United States is against them. You know, everyone right. is against them because they're trying to keep it a secret. It's almost like they want people to continue getting sick. Well, <sighs> they do. <laughs> they, I mean, you're making money off of it. Right. Well, just think of like the whole keto crotch thing, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. And that's because they are losing money. These industries like Coca-Cola is losing money. The sugar industry is losing money. Barilla Pasta. They're all losing money because of keto. Yeah. And, you know, good. Grow something else. Yeah, exactly. Girl, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Savory Institute. One of my clients works for the Savory Institute, and I'm mm -hmm. such a huge fan. But there's a, Joel Soliton has a TED Talk, and he said, you know, if they implement this regenerative agricultural practices where they move, they mimic nature and move ruminants like animals, that they can reverse warm, global warming in 10 years if they have enough animals. Yeah. So, 
how about all of us all start eating beef and lamb and goats and sheep and let's do that ruminant practice and be able to feed all kinds of people and help the environment. Yes, 100%. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> so in keto, like people worry like keto, if I eat a bunch of meat and I'm going to mess up the planet. Mm -hmm. If you pick your right meat, you know, grass fed meat and uh, you can even look, they have a new thing farm to table. So if mm. you see the little tag farm to table on uh, some of the food, they've actually measured that that, the practices where those animals have been grown has increased the topsoil and pulled carbon from the atmosphere. Wow. Yeah. So that's a new thing that they are putting out. I had a, I have a podcast on it with the, my client and her husband. Her husband has a savory hub and he worked on the farm to table program where they actually measure how much carbon is pulled from the atmosphere. That's great. Oh, I love to hear that. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, so it gives me hope about like, let's turn this pollution and planet around and keto and eating the right type of meat will help do that. Yeah. 100%. Right yeah. there behind you. Yay. Well, so fun talking to you, Crystal. Thank yes. you for coming on the podcast with me. Yeah. It thank you for having me. Motivated some people to want to <laughs> do, uh, contact you guys and do a, uh, competition or uh just get fit and put on some muscle and to eat right where you're going to be fit and healthy yeah absolutely